Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. You don't live in Cleveland. Hello and welcome to episode 102 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. And of course we're cock-a-hoop this morning, recording this on uh, Monday afternoon, because uh, the Bengals won their first game of the season against the Jacksonville Jaguars yesterday, 33-25. Yes, friends, we are on the board. And let's hope it's the first of many joining me to uh, discuss yesterday's game is none other than then uh, Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan. How you doing, my son? I'm, I'm sure I speak for Bengals fans when I say I've got a nice warm glow about me this morning as the Bengals are finally on the board. Um, fantastic win. I think it's been a long time coming where we get a good win um, early in the season where it matters. So I'm absolutely buzzing off the back of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think... I mean, re- I mean, it was a tight first half, but that second half they really pulled away. A bit like... The Philadelphia game last week, it was a, a tight first half and they, they kind of struggled to move the ball a little bit apart from a two-minute drill at the end of the half. And like the Philadelphia game, they let in a score right at the end of the half as well. Um, so that's obviously has to be worked in. But in the second half, they pretty much steamrolled them, really. There was a few anxious moments towards the end, but they... They they did well. They closed it out. They they did everything that we asked them to. You know, they got the run game going in that second half. Burrow was magnificent again. Tyler Board was great. T. Higgins was catching balls. Um, and crucially, the offensive line played better. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Bengals in that game yesterday really exercised the fact that they were a better team than the Jags all round. I think in all phases, I think... I don't think the Bengals were necessarily fantastic yesterday. I don't think they played to their potential, but they played well. And they they had a better team than the Jags, and they just out-muscled them. I think the result, I think at halftime, there was a few nerves going around. Obviously, we were slightly behind. But exactly like you said, we exercised our muscle in the second half. And I think the massive credit to the offensive line. I think we've they took an absolute beating um, and, you know, in some ways, rightly so after that game last week against the Eagles. But they rebounded so strongly. I, I don't think Burrow was sacked once. Uh, they kept him pretty much clean throughout the game. Joe Mixon had a huge game off the back of them opening up some holes for him. So I think you just got to give credit where it's due. I don't know if that's to Alex, uh, Alex Redmond coming back into the lineup and sort of secured that right-hand side. But whatever they did, it worked. Um, it could just be the inferior opposition. I know the Jags front is not going to be necessarily as good as the Eagles, Browns or Chargers, but you've got to give credit where it's due. Um, it looked like a different situation out of there for the offence. Yeah, I agree. And you're right to say that the Jack. I mean, this really was the game to get things going because, as you rightly said, you know, um, the Jags aren't that much, unfortunately. They've got a lot of good young players finding their way. They've got some injuries uh, their pass rush isn't great. So yesterday really was the day for the offensive line to get some confidence, to get their, uh, get themselves in sync and start playing and protecting Joe Burrow much better. And it absolutely happened. And again, you know, as we said, the Jags are no great shakes, but they've got some weapons on offense. They kept things close. 
They provided a few anxious moments, but on the whole, you're right. The offensive line played very well yesterday, um, especially after all the hits that Borough has taken during the past uh, few weeks. It was great to see him relatively unscathed yesterday. But still, going into half-time, they couldn't open up any running lanes to Joe Mixon, could they? No, and I think that at half-time... I think everyone was sort of scratching their head a bit with that run game. Cause through three and a half games, there really hadn't been too much. I know Mixon had the uh, the catch out of the backfield for his first touchdown, but in that second half, something just seemed to click. You know, there was a lot of holes through, and that run, the the thirty six yarder he had um, on the outside. I mean, that was incredible for him. I mean, he was virtually untouched. I mean, I think all of the Jags defenders sort of bought the bought on the inside. Mixon got to the corner, and you were not going to catch him there. So. He really just, I think he just stepped up massively. And we need that. I've, you know, I've been critical of Joe Mixon in the past for not playing well when it matters for the Bengals at the start of the season. You know, when you're four, five, six games behind 500 at the back end of the season, that's one thing. But he really proved his class yesterday. Uh, 151 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. And then in the run, I think in the passing game as well, he had six catches yesterday. And that's extremely uncharacteristic for him. He'll get the odd one or two normally, but six catches yesterday for 30 yards and a score. And that's the guy, that's the reason that you pay him if he can give you that sort of performance. Yeah, I agree. And we should also mention Gio Bernard as well, who had a good game and made... Every time Gio touches the ball, you think, God, he's still got that crazy speed, that playmaking ability. They've got to use him more. And yesterday he ripped off a really nice run around the corner uh, and then they repeated it pretty much the same play where Mixon, as you say, went for 30-odd yards. I just like the fact that they went in at half-time and they seemed to make some serious adjustments. And we'll be talking to our special guest, uh, Matt Minnick from Cincy Jungle, uh, the fantastic uh, Matt Minnick, uh, a bit later on about perhaps... Asking him why, what those adjustments might have been, because I'm intrigued. Because again, nothing was working running-wise in that first half, and yet they came out a completely different team in the second half. You saw Jonah Williams on the move. There was a fantastic block, uh, I think, uh, for Mixon in that second half down the field. You know, uh, there was a lot more sort of pulling and movement, and 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 linemen getting onto that second level, making such a difference. Drew Sample was involved. Okay, you could argue that he dropped two touchdown passes in that first half, and we kind of thought, here we go again. But, you know, he was active in there. Seathan Carter was active. Um, So, you know, I I tell you what's interesting to me, Nathan. Go on. (laughs) Basically, um, Marvin Lewis's teams were fantastic right at the start of games, when they were working to the through their scripted plays at the at the start of each uh, game, right, uh, and then they always used to have a nightmare third quarter, and then God knows what would happen in the fourth. But uh, it seems to be the complete opposite with Zach Taylor's teams. Um, it starts off slowly, uh, struggling a little bit to move the ball, until one frantic, brilliant. Two-minute drill, um, which is another uh, way this team um, is different to Marvin's teams, who are generally dreadful in those sort of situational moments. Um, But in the second half, after some real adjustments at halftime, that's when the team gets going. Uh, And I find that interesting, you know, whether 
Whether Zach struggles to put a game plan together offensively, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's just an interesting thought. An observation. I don't have any stats to back things up, as I never do. But it's just an, ob- <laughs> <laughs> it's just an observation, really. No, no, it's, it's a fair one, you know. I mean, I think it, the t- I think the team's still struggling to find its identity under Zach Taylor. It's, I think more than anything else, it was a massive win for confidence. I've said it before, you need some confidence. We need those players to have a bit of fire in their belly. And as Joe Burrow tweeted out after the game, winning is fun. And I think that team desperately needed that because they're now 1-2-1. and one. And you've got a chance at one, two, and one. You know, I mean, the AFC North is particularly strong this this year. But you're a game off of being, a, you know, one win against the Ravens, and you're above five hundred. You know, and I think the yeah. Bengals they know they've got talent. I think if you look across this team, there's talent there. There really, really is. And I think they just need to get those wins on the ball. It doesn't matter if it gets the against the Jags or it's against you know Bengals UK. I just think getting that belief that they can win these games, you could see in the locker room after the game, everyone's fired up as you are, you've got the win, you know, we're still competitive at the moment. I just think what we couldn't afford is to drop back to like 0-4-1, and 5-1, something like that, and then you just feel like you're playing for pride down the stretch. I want this team to have a taste this year of being in the running for the playoffs. We don't even have to make it, but even if you can get six, seven, eight wins and be knocking on that door and keep things interesting, I just think it'll be so, so positive for the players and for the organisation. It'll give Zach Taylor some confidence because you've got to think for him, you know, after a bad year last year, bad start this year, he needs some wins to make sure he, you know, make sure he's got a job next year. Maybe he starts coaching more aggressively, you know. So all round, it's just a massive confidence boost for the team. Doesn't matter who it's against. And I'm I'm very very pleased that they were able to get over the line yesterday. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's great, isn't it? And just think, I mean, yes, it feels great to win, but it, uh, automatically you think, God, if we'd have beaten the Chargers and beaten the Eagles, oh, which we could and arguably should have done, we would have been like three and one now. How ridiculous would that have been? <laughs> You know, and then, yeah. you know, I don't know. I agree. More There's ifs some and serious buts. talent. There's some serious talent on the team. I think we have to talk about Joe Burrow, and I think he epitomises that talent. I mean, he is just, I mean, he's more than was advertised. I thought he'd be really, really good, and I thought there was, you know, very, very high chance the geezer would be a top 10, top 5 quarterback in years to come. I mean, he's a top 10 quarterback right now. I mean, the geezer, the first quarterback in history as a rookie to throw for 300 yards in three straight games. The the poise is unbelievable. I mean, he just sat back there. He completes those balls over the middle for eight and ten yards, just like he's over the park. Hmm. I mean, it it's makes like me you, and you over like, Hampstead Heath, isn't it? <laughs> it really is, mate. Yeah, with with no one around throwing ten <laughs> yards to each other. But like, it is. I mean, the geese is just like he drops back, and I mean, he, his his accuracy is incredible. You know, he threw an interception yesterday. It wasn't his fault at all. I mean, he hasn't thrown a really bad, bad pass that I've seen yet in three games. I mean, the one he threw for the interception, the first one was a bit of a weird sort of like side. He armor. did. He did miss AJ Green wide open. Um, yeah, fair enough. I think fair that's enough. the only one. But you're right. He's carried on his record-breaking ways, isn't he? He's the first rookie quarterback to um, to pass for 300 yards in consecutive games. You know, um, it's incredible. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I honestly think the way he's playing at the moment, and I, I'm not one to get overly excited too soon, but he's a he's a top 10 quarterback, the way he's playing at the moment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. without a preseason, his supporting cast is good. I mean, he's got good receivers there. You know, T Higgins is... He's been a, a surprise for me because I always think rookie wide receivers always struggle to sort of make an impact. And you were assuming you were going to have Tyler Boyd there. You were assuming you were going to have um, AJ Green, play, you know, getting more than he has. And I think for T Higgins to be coming out the way he has, getting that chemistry with Burrow is fantastic. So I think all round for Joe Burrow, if that line can play like it did yesterday, we're going to have some serious success. Yes. Um, and I'll go back to my point last week. When you watch Joe Burrow, pass and it was one of the things of watching uh the amez as we used to call it at school on the telly is that you see a quarterback release the ball and then you kind of wait with bated breath to see who it's aimed at as the camera catches up with it and with Andy Dalton your heart was always in your mouth quite frankly or my mouth <laughs> because you weren't you know there was a 50% chance that it was it was going to be complete or an interception or uh, an incomplete pass. With Joe Burrow, I expect already, like you, I really hate overhyping players, but with Joe Burrow, when that ball, every time that ball uh, it leaves his hand and the camera sort of pans to the receiver, I expect that ball to be caught. That's how good he is at the moment. I expect him to complete... Uh, more passes than not already, and this this was his fourth game. It's ridiculous. He's brilliant. I'm in love with him. <laughs> Mate, I think you speak on behalf of a lot of Bengals fans. I mean, he is. I mean, he's phenomenal, and he's got that. He's got that mobility. I think which we haven't seen from a quarterback for the Bengals for a long time. Andy Dalton didn't really have it. Carson Palmer certainly didn't have it. You know, and I, I think that just changes the game you know he's not I mean, Joe Burrow's not going to be the type of quarterback like a Lamar Jackson who's running for 800 yards a game but he just he's just athletic he gets to the outside he makes people miss he can step up in the pocket and I just think it, it gives a bit of a headache to the opposing defenses that they have to factor in for that it helps the running game out because you know what's he going to do is he going to take it himself because he's got that ability to run with it you know you don't want him taking too many hits but I think that's another part of his game that not only the sort of poised pocket passing and the accuracy, but the fact that he does give you that athletic ability on the outside and um, where he can just sort of pull it down himself and take it on. There was one fantastic play yesterday. It was in the second half where um, the Jaguars blitzed a guy from the edge and he was more or less a free runner. But Joe Boy saw it like super early span out of the geezer's way. God, I'm speaking like you know. We know that we've spent too much time together. Span out of the guy's way and then ran for uh, a first down and slid. He didn't take the hit, he slid. And it looked just looked like he'd been doing this all his life in the NFL, you know. That was a fantastic play. I love the fact that, you know, I think uh, when we scored our last field goal, he didn't try and force it into the end zone because the, the Jags were only a score behind, basically. And if they'd have got yeah, the ball yeah. back, there was a chance that they could, I think, someone will correct me if I'm wrong, perhaps tie, or even with a two-point conversion, they could win the game. So he, you know, when there was nothing on, he just got rid of the ball. And that that's real intelligence, situational intelligence, and, uh, yeah, couldn't be happier. The only thing that's marking him down at the moment, if you look at all the stats, why he's not getting, like, super-duper marks, is connections with the deep ball, you know, and hopefully that yeah. will come. Uh, that's as much as play call 
and wide receiver separation is, is down to Burrow. But if he can connect on a couple of deep, long passes, uh, then his, his ratings for people who like that sort of thing uh, will go through the roof, you know. And that's the only thing missing at the moment. I say a couple of deep connections, uh, which yeah, isn't necessarily I, on him, to be honest. I think that's a really good point as well. I mean, you look at his yards yesterday, Tyler Boyd, seven catches for 90 yards, T Higgins, four for 77. Um, the the thing that he's missing, exactly like you said with the deep balls, it, it, who's the guy that's going to catch them? Because I think the obvious standout yesterday, AJ Green, one reception for three yards, and he was targeted five times. And I mean, through the first couple of games, we talked about AJ Green, and my overwhelming response was, he'll be fine. You know, he just needs to shake that rust off. He's not played for a while. He's only 32. He's not, you know, for me at 32, he'd still be probably going at. Um, you know, at least ninety percent of your former self. I thought he'd come good, but I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm worried, but I'm starting to get a bit worried because he just doesn't. There's a couple of balls yesterday the old AJ would have had. Now, yeah, there was one in particular it's... down the right hand, yeah. not down the sideline, but a diagonal pass. Borough uh, was directed traffic, wasn't he? Yeah, um, there was a pass that was fired diagonally out towards the sideline. AJ seemed to have a step on his uh, defender, but just couldn't get there. And and he pulled up a little bit short, actually, I thought, after that. And it's just like, wow, maybe that explosiveness is gone. It was interesting, actually, you listen to Paul Dana Jr., as we frequently do, talking when the contract situation was being discussed about AJ, whether the, the team should sign him going forward to a long-term deal. And he... Basically said he could be this team's Larry Fitzgerald going forward, which is a perfectly valid argument. But the thing is, at the moment, we look at Fitz, who's still a very good receiver in the league. He they line him up more in the slot these days. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And of course, we've got a fantastic slot receiver in Tyler Boyd, who's having another great year so far. On course, I think I saw today to catch over a hundred, one hundred and twelve yards, which is ridiculous. Um, if things carry on the same for him. But uh, I think you'd hope that AJ regains some of his explosiveness. But then again, with all the wear and tear, the the injuries that he's had, we saw with Tyler Eifert, it's not not guaranteed. So the good thing at the moment is that we've got a wide receiver core, certainly with Boyd and Higgins, who who looked pretty good, I'd say, you know, and he had in Auden Tate, who caught a really great ball yesterday, actually, but, you know, get him more into the mix, and Ericsson and Mike Thomas, that's not a bad core, and then if you can just drop AJ in uh, and let him go his own pace and try and get him the ball, he's not, I, I think it's pretty obvious that he's not the number one target anymore, uh, which is an odd thing to say, but... After I think, after what he's done for the club and how he's played, he's not our number one receiver at this moment anymore. I agree. I agree. It's a strong group. I think there's no doubt it's a strong group across the board. Some very, very talented players, some young guys in there. I just think it lacks speed. I think that's the one thing that we're missing. And I mean, is that John Ross? Obviously, that's the glaring Missed there. I know he was inactive again yesterday, but you do need someone with that sort of burning speed that cornerbacks are going to respect and have to play off a bit because Boyd is a slot receiver. Higgins has got speed, but I don't know if he's necessarily the guy that's going to be stretching the field. 
Um, and apart from that, we know Alden Tate and Alex Erickson haven't got that sort of speed. I don't think Mike Thomas is that guy either. And then obviously you've got AJ, who was that guy in the past and very much was someone that defences, you know, had to respect, often getting double teamed, double covered. But it's tough now. I mean, I think that's the only area, like you said originally, that the Bengals are struggling with or Joe Burrow is struggling with is those deep balls because I don't think people are getting open. They're not getting the separation. But, I mean, with that in mind, and with defences probably playing up a little bit more on some of our receivers, it's even more impressive that Burrow is completing those passes at the rate he is. You know, he's seeing the field. He's, seeing, he's just not making silly throws. It's just been so impressive. Absolutely. And on the other side of the board, shout out to Jesse Bates, who's continued his fine early season form. I thought he was terrific yesterday. Uh, we just need to find some pass rush. We really do. And hopefully, you know, Gino will be back for the Ravens game because they have a much better offensive line and they have a much better running game, not least from the quarterback himself. So things to work on. Uh, but certainly lots of things to love yesterday. And the fact that we won just gives everyone a boost. And as you say, hopefully the uh, the confidence that that, that will uh, uh, kind of give to the team will be carried on and they can give the Ravens a game. I don't see why not. We always used to give the Ravens a game before Lamar Jackson came along. But um, but isn't it interesting that we talk about defences? There's been some shock. There's some shocking defences all over the league. It's not just us. Some points and yards are being racked up like nothing else. Like it's crazy. Did you see some of the games yesterday? It's like as Jamie, uh, Jamie Rowe would call it, scorigami. You know, sort of, you know, sixty-two thirty-nine or something like that. You know, it, it, defenses uh, seem to have come out of the traps quite slowly, and it's the offenses that are. It's almost turned into T Twenty cricket. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Lots of scores. Well, I think I think over the years the leagues really sort of uh, moved towards a lot of penalties favouring the offences and the rules going that way and stuff. And obviously now teams are starting at the 25 instead of the 20 and all these different things that make it slightly easier for you to sort of push down the field. Um, but I completely agree. I mean, you've got a situation yesterday with Dak Prescott's thrown for over 500 yards and losing a game, yeah, yeah, which is absolutely extraordinary. The Cleveland Browns are putting up 49 points. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a funny time to be alive. But going on to that Ravens game, I mean, that's going to be the interesting test for the Bengals because we've got a good team out there. I think through four games... We're better than one, two, and one from what I've seen. I think that's the frustrating thing, and that's where the the sort of negativity and the anger came from in the last couple of weeks from all of the fans was that look, we're better than this. Like we've got a good team, and I think getting that win against the Jags is massive. And going on the road to the Ravens is going to be a very interesting game because, like you said, they top five team in the NFL. I think most people would agree. Um, AFC North is so strong. I think that. Browns, Steelers and Ravens are a combined 9-2 and two or something crazy like that. Um, it'll be a good... I mean, I think we've come out... The bookies have come out and said we're a 14-point underdog. I think it's about I right. I would say probably about right, yeah. And it'll be a big test for us. It'll be a big test for us because if we can keep that game close, keep it within a score or, God forbid, win it, I think that would be a hell of a statement um, for the team. That's... It's going to be. I just. I want. To be, I think everyone just wants to see progress. I think we want to see a really tight game. We want to see us take it to the Ravens, be in that game, and not get overawed by it. So, very, very excited for that one, and to see what we can 
see what we can build on after this week. Absolutely. And just a shout out to Zach Taylor's uh, play design and play calling yesterday. He took some stick uh, a little bit from us last week and certainly from the fans. But I thought certainly the play design was really good yesterday. And of course, I mean, again, I said last week, everything starts and ends with the offensive line. And the fact that we're running the ball in that second half, the play action came into play. And of course, Zach loves... That's his thing, isn't it? I was talking last week about um, what is his identity offensive-wise, and that is it. He loves play action, loves those kind of, uh, you know, uh, three-wide sets, and uh, there was some really imaginative stuff yesterday. There was lovely kind of screens and, uh, as I say, some some bunched uh, formations which confused the defence a little bit. Everything was clicking. So shout out to Zach for yesterday. There's, oh, wait, wait, wait. There's, got, there's got to be a shout out. We can't move on without you giving a shout out to your Welsh mate yesterday. He had a good game. Uh, Jordan yeah, Evans. A Jordan and a tackle Evans. for a loss. He did. Well done to Jordan. Um, he's, he was a bit of a periphery player, isn't he, really? But yeah, he was, he was involved yesterday and he had a point to prove and he, he did a good job, all in all. Um, right, let's bring him up. So, uh, hello again, Matt. Uh, you're making your return to Cincinnati and uh, we couldn't be happier for you to, to come back to us. Thank you very much. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, and a win as well. That's kind of exciting, isn't it? That's almost uncharted territory. <laughs> yes. And, and so early in the year, almost September. <laughs> <laughs> what did you, I mean, of particular interest, I, you know, I, I spoke to Nathan uh just a little bit earlier and we the thing that was interesting me i think is that and i mentioned this this zach taylor's team in particular this one certainly this season seems to be almost the complete opposite to a marvin lewis team where they were great at working through their scripted plays at the start of a game this is all generally speaking and observational, I don't have any stats to back things up or whatever, but uh, they seem to be really good at working through their scripted plays, but then they just have a horror third quarter and kind of it would either make or break them for that particular game. Here it seems to be the exact opposite. They start off slowly. They can't get anything going apart from a a two-minute drive at the end of the first half. Uh, And then I'm talking offensively here. Mm-hmm. And then in the third quarter, they've made obviously made adjustments and they they look like a different team. And it, and it was like that yesterday as well. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's interesting, too, because with Zach Taylor being an offensive-minded coach compared to Marvin Lewis, who was a defensive coordinator previously, you would think that because the guy calling the plays on offense – wasn't actually the head coach in the Marvin Lewis era that it would have been easier for Hugh Jackson and uh, and Jay Gruden and those guys to make second half adjustments. But uh, Taylor and, and Callahan and, and you know that 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 team there on the offensive side of the football, you know they're definitely doing a great job with it. And outside of the the kneel down, the victory formation at the end of the game. Uh, the Bengals scored on every drive in the second half. I think it was uh, touchdowns in the first two drives in the second half and then uh, three field goals to finish it out. So, uh, yeah, strong finish. I mean, definitely definitely great to see that. 23 points in the second half. Mm. So, um, 
you know, one of the reasons why I think or we all, we really uh, enjoy following you on Twitter is uh, Matt's Monday breakdowns, where you kind of go through the film, and I know that you're going through that at the moment, putting some really interesting stuff on. What do they do in that second half? And what have they done? Because they did it against Philadelphia. A slow start, third quarter, they looked almost unstoppable. What are, they, what are you noticing that they're doing at halftime to get things going? Yesterday, they really got the run game going, which is something that obviously everyone's been screaming for to take a little bit of pressure off uh, Joe Burrow. Um, what, what have you noticed so far that they've been doing? I think overall it's it's just kind of subtle adjustments in the in the blocking schemes once you know what actual defensive looks you're going to be getting. I, I think that's a, a big aspect of it. And yesterday it, it was huge that they were able to run the ball uh, because they were able to run the ball, and, and Zach Taylor talked about this during the week. They weren't dependent on pure drop-back pass in the second half. You know, they, they, they could run the ball, but they could also do play-action pass. I think we saw more play-action pass in this game. And you know the fact of the matter is when you're if you're down by two scores or if you're down late in the game or um, when you're in third and fifteen you know the, the, a lot of these situations you're not getting anything out of uh, out of running a play action pass you're just you're just wasted time because uh, you know they're not buying it they're still coming hard off the edge so it allowed them to to do that which is is going to help out the offensive line quite a bit. You know, if the offensive line can open them some holes in the run game, they're going to help themselves out a lot with what they're doing in pass protection. And and they went, they seemed to go back to pitching to Mixon so he could sweep uh, around the edges. And we saw lots of more, more movement from the offensive line yesterday, I think. You know, Jonah was on the move quite a lot. You know, uh, the guards were on to the next level quite quickly. Um yeah, that's and that's what they did well at the end of last year too. Right. You know, the, the big difference they ran, uh, and and when I talk about the toss play, like you can toss the football to the running back, but I, I would I'm not calling it a toss when they do it unless they're doing what you said and pulling some guys out in front of him, really trying to get some space. So, but that toss play where they're where they're pulling at least one guy. They ran 11 times in the first eight games last season and 66 times in the last eight games. And that was really the biggest change. You know, they, they ran a little bit more of some other down schemes and powers and stuff like that. But that was the biggest change in the second half of the year. And Mixon did great with that. He was able to find great cutback lanes, hit the edge sometimes. Um, and, and for whatever reason, they, they've tried to do it. It's looked a little different. You know, last year I kind of had the rules figured out and I, I, I actually uh, posted a video on YouTube about it and um, it seemed like they went away from some of, their, some of the rules they had uh, early this year. And I don't know if it's because they were getting so many stunts from some of their earlier uh, opponents or, or what it was, but they got away from some of that stuff. But yeah, getting these guys out in space, I think that's the type of player they have. And you look at some of the additions they've made too um, – Xavier Suofilo, hopefully we see again sometime soon. Uh, but but he's a guy who was not a, a high-level free agent, but was a guy that made a lot of sense for them because he does move well, because he does pull well. Uh, he does some things pretty well in space. And uh, he's pretty smart when it comes to picking up stunts in pass protection, which has been a problem for, for the Bengals at times. So um, if they get back to that schematically where they were before – that's going to be a real good fit for him. It definitely worked for the guys they had last year. And I think it could be good for uh, Hakeem Adenogy whenever we get a chance to, to see him. Mm. 
Um, a lot of people were saying, oh, Alex Redmond's come in, he's fixed it all straight away, you know. Uh, that's obviously not the case. I mean, bless <laughs> him, but Alex Redmond is not that good of a player. Um, do, so do you think it's more about the blocking scheme rather than the players that were in yesterday? Uh, you know, I, I think it's a lot of things coming together. I think Redmond probably gave them a little bit of maybe stability at the position, you know, that they were all kind of comfortable with him. Um, there's maybe just a little bit more faith uh, in that spot than they had in some of those other guys. But I think a big part of it is is the level of competition. I mean, we've seen some of the best defensive lines in the league these first few weeks. You know, Philadelphia's got a, a plethora of talented pass rushers. And, uh, you know, with, when you get Miles Garrett, when you get Bosa in those these first couple of weeks, I mean, that was a that was a real, real tough run for them. Um, and look, the fact of the matter is, they need to get better, and they need to be able to take care of some of those guys because uh, we still get to see T.J. Watt twice this season, and we still get to see Miles Garrett again uh, in a couple of weeks. So you know, it, it's not like they're gonna, you know, they're gonna get lucky with that uh, in the future. But um, I, you know, I, I think it all came together. Um, but part of it is that that level of competition that the Jaguars front. It's just not, not as talented as, as what they've seen in earlier weeks. Just a few quick questions on the offense, because I think uh, it's worth talking to you about the defense as well. Um, Joe Burrow, is he ex- – I mean, we're going nuts. I'm going nuts, and I hate overhyping players. I really do. I don't think it's fair on the player. And, you know, it does – you know, we really do need to afford rookies the time to – adjust to this next level and but goodness me how good is joe burrow yeah he's looking great you know and and it was nice that finally some things were coming together around him because even in the losses he's he's looked really good um one interception this weekend but not a bad interception you know a your tight end should have made the play interception uh on, on what really was pretty much a 50 50 ball in the end zone there uh, where where uh, Miles Jack came away with the with the pick uh, off of off of Drew Sample's face, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean he he's looked really good. He's not making really uh, mistakes like he did in the first game with that bad interception, and uh, you know really you know really really moving the club and starting to build a rapport with some of his receivers. I think we're starting to see it coming. It's been there with Boyd, I really think, the whole time. And, and now it's, it's starting to come with T. I think Boyd and T are definitely the, the future of that position group. Uh, but, you know, even those guys, uh, we're starting to see some of the back shoulder throws coming together. Uh, but not all those catches are being made yet. So I, th- I think they're getting more comfortable with each other. But there's still another you know, step to be taken there to, to – really get the most out of out of what we can with this passing game. At the end of the day, look, like Burrow Burrow's not going to win you games uh, by himself until he starts making ridiculous plays like he did at LSU. We've seen a little bit of that with him scrambling and, and looking to find some guys downfield. We almost saw it with AJ on that third down early in the game. We almost saw it with T. Higgins the week before, but, he had, but it turned out T. Higgins had stepped out of bounds in that play. Um, and we haven't really seen him connect on these on these deep balls, which is it's definitely getting concerning at this point. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think that's going to come a little bit with those receivers knowing where exactly he's going to put the ball and how exactly he's going to respond to some of those those uh, defensive looks they're getting. 
you mentioned someone there in that last uh, little uh, sequence, AJ Green. A lot of fans over here quite rightly love him. He's been brilliant for the club for almost a decade. Uh, what are you seeing? Is he is he out of sorts? Is he has he lost what he had in terms of explosiveness, or is it just too early to tell? You know, I, I do think he's getting open. You know, and I and I think he's he has value. Uh, he's just not being AJ right now. Mm. You know, and, and all the, like the the back shoulder well, throws what, and what going up and getting the AJ ball in the sky. Mean? Tell yeah, us what, what 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 does AJ mean? I mean, like to me, when when we think of AJ, we we think of that guy who's who's going up for the uh, for the jump ball. You know, and he's coming down with it every time, and he's making these ridiculous plays uh, down the field with that. And you know, right now we're not really seeing that dimension in him. So I'm not as concerned. I'm more concerned with his jumping than his running. You know, <laughs> like I don't feel right. like he's he's kind of coming off and, and planting and, and you know responding the way he he once did. Um, we have said for a while like, there's been concern about AJ with his injuries for obvious reasons and also with his age. Um, I don't think that I don't think that he's done. And and I've been in that camp that like he can have some you know a few more good years. Uh, I've been in that camp all along. I have been a little bit disappointed by what I've seen. You know, they say he's a rep guy, and maybe maybe as things come along, he'll get a little bit more comfortable. But I don't think he's quite the same guy he was. Uh, one comparison that people make is to Larry Fitzgerald, who's still kicking right now, and and you know he's uh, kind of the exception to the to the rule with receivers of of a guy who's uh, you know, been been successful and productive well past thirty. And, you know, I kind of look at AJ and I'm wondering if, if he needs to take a similar path to Fitzgerald where Fitzgerald, when he got a little bit older, they kicked him inside and he became more of a, of a big slot. And unfortunately that's just not a great fit for the Bengals because they've got Tyler Boyd. So, you know, I think he can have some more good years. I just, I'm not sure how great of a fit he is for this team right now. Because I think like the things he's going to be able to do well are going to fall into Boyd's category, and I and I think things that that Higgins can can also do, and you know maybe they need a third guy who's going to be a little bit more, uh, you know, dynamic on the edge. Mm. Yeah, exactly. As I said earlier, it's kind of like it's all very well kind of wanting AJ around to be that elder statesman, kick him inside in the slot, but we already have a really you know arguably the league's best slot receiver at the moment. So, um, interesting times. What about the defence? After the Philadelphia game, you, I think you were really impressed with Logan Wilson. And I remember you tweeting out uh, that this defence is very close. What did you mean by that? And what did you make of them yesterday? Yeah, there was a lot of negativity about this about this defence uh, after that game. And, like, I... I think they're a pretty good unit. They just kind of need to put some things together. And I mean, really, you look at it, they, they, they fell apart at some bad times this season. You know, they gave up touchdowns in the end of the second half and the end of the first half to the Eagles, you know, which allowed the, them to be in that position to take it into overtime and, and why that game was, was tied. They gave up touchdowns uh, on those drives. They gave up a late touchdown to the Browns where the Browns just ran all over them. And, and honestly, like, they were just done. 
Like I've seen that happen and it happens with defenses. And like I've coached in games where we've made some, we've made some calls that the, the head coach had, uh, made some calls that to the outsider would look like stupid calls at the end of the game. Um, but it came down to, we can't put this defense in the field again. Like we got to go for two. We got to kick the onside kick. We got to get it back because this defense has had enough today. And I think, I think part of that is the lack of depth and the defensive line. You know, people talk about you run the football to wear down the defensive line. And that is a strategy that does not work very well in the NFL because D lines tend to be, or because the teams, the best defenses are very deep on the defensive line, but it can work against the Bengals when you go in there and you're already banged up and you know, Mike Daniels, you know, Geno Atkins. So, I think they just got to that point where, you know, guys like Bledsoe and Khalil McIntyre, like these are these guys are taking way more reps than they than they should be, uh, because of all the injuries. And and I, I think that that group was just ready to be run all over at the end of that game. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, they were they were just kind of toast. So overall, like I, I look at this, I, I think you get Geno back if you were healthy and defensive tackle. I think you'd be in a much better position, particularly with Geno because he brings the inside pass rush ability. Um, Overall, you know, they, they really need to rehaul that, that defensive line next offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I w- wish I could say I was comfortable with Gino, but we're going to have to get him back. And, you know, after, after what happened with AJ last year, uh, you know, if, if Gino doesn't play all year, I'm certainly not going to feel good about Gino Atkins going into 2021. Uh, they need somebody else that can, that can pressure the passer inside, uh, and they need depth on the inside. On the edge, uh, I think Hubbard is a good piece, but I don't think he's a he's a you know he's a pinnacle piece. You know, I don't, I don't think he's somebody that you can hang your hat on. I think he's a guy that you move around and do some different things with, which they're pretty good with. Um, Carl Lawson, I would like to see them try and get more out of him, but in the past, what Marvin Lewis believed was that it was less was more with him, and this staff has not really seemed enthused to give him a ton of of reps. So I don't know if we're ever to get there. And I think Carlos Dunlap at this point in his career is probably in a similar tier that he, he probably shouldn't be the full-time starter. You know, he should be a rotationary piece who I think you can get more out of when you're doing that. So they really need to bring in another pass rusher in the offseason who can, who can really contribute. And, you know, I, I would prefer a guy with some bulk uh, I mean, to find that guy that can really rush the pass from the outside, but who has the bulk to kick kick inside, you know, that's uh, it's slim pickings looking for those guys. But but that would be great because it would give you the versatility to, you know, be able to kick him in in the three four stuff and put Hubbard and and Carl Lawson on the field is is essentially your three four outside linebackers. Um, so that's kind of what I think is going on up front. I think they've got the pieces at linebacker. Hopefully, <laughs> you know, we got to see how these young guys develop, but I've seen some good things in a Pratt this year. I like, I like how he's progressing. I love how Logan Wilson is progressing. I, I think he's coming along very quickly. It was unfortunate they couldn't get him out, out there this weekend. Um, saw a touch of Bailey this weekend. Not, not, uh, not much, but you know, Bailey and Akeem Davis Gaither, I think are, are talented guys too. So they, hopefully there's, there's some good quality starters in there, but they definitely improved their depth at that position, which, as we talked about with the defensive line, you know, it's, it's all about creating that depth. So you're, you're not 
vulnerable when you do have some injuries. And then, you know, in the defensive backfield, I think with Sean Williams back in the mix at safety, uh, he, Bell, and Bates are, are a pretty good little trio there. William Jackson, I think, is playing very well. Um, yeah, look, OBJ got him a couple of times, but that's what OBJ does. That's going to that's gonna happen no matter who you have. So I think he's, he's looked pretty good. Uh, Jesse Bates, after missing a million tackles in that game at safety, by the way, did look pretty good. But um, it's And then, you know, the other corner, I think, is a concern at the moment. Hopefully, Trey Waynes is the answer, but we're not going to know that anytime soon. Uh, but Phillips is a little, you know, uh, just a little step short on things. Sims got some reps uh, this weekend, and he was just he, – he wasn't in great position uh, a lot of the time either. So, potentially, you need, a, you need another corner. Uh, but we'll see what's going on with Trey Waynes. Uh, I, I do think they really need to, to be a good defense to add a couple pieces and a lot of depth up front. But I think this defense, you, you get get healthy, like you could be manageable, you can be you can be serviceable with it. There's lots of positives there, Matt, isn't there? Really, and um, where do where where do you see this team progressing? I think they've made pretty big strides on offense actually the past couple of weeks. Um, and I guess it's just about being consistent now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. Is like you look at the offensive line, and th- there's good reps. It's just there's often three or four good reps on a play, and not five. <laughs> you know? uh, and and with the O line, it doesn't do you do you much good if uh, if four or five guys are are, are doing well. So um, yeah, I think if, if they can get a little bit more consistent with that, not put themselves in bad situations and, and some of the problems they've had have been, you know, has been blocking from, from other positions as, as well. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's all about being consistent and, and, you know, just knowing what you can get uh, out of, out of all those guys. I like, so I look at it this way. So, you know, a lot of people play fantasy football. So there's, there's a little bit better reference there for, for most people. So in fantasy football, obviously, You'll love having a guy like Joe Mixon this weekend was 39 points in my league. Like, you love seeing a guy do that. But the guys that drive you crazy are the guys that, like, sometimes they're really good, but then sometimes they get you, like, four points, you know? So you're always you're always looking in fantasy. You're, like, you're looking for that, that running back that you know his floor is, like, 12 points. He's getting you, like, 12 to 15 points, and maybe he'll have a great game and it'll, and it'll do something really special for you. But you know at least he's going to get you some solid points there and not, you know, uh, put up a goose egg or, or a single digit or something like that. I mean, it, it's kind of the same with, with real football as well. You know, like you need big play guys, but you need consistent guys. You know, you need guys that are going to bring it every play and going to have a solid performance. And, and you know, when they get you the home run and, and they score a long touchdown, throw a deep ball and, you know, make an interception – that's that's a bonus, but you need the guys that are going to always be where they need to be and like doing those little things that that you don't necessarily notice because the job's getting done. Absolutely. Well, let's hope for more consistency going forward. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for the time as ever. Uh, good luck with uh, Chalk Talk and uh, hopefully we'll speak again soon uh, later on this season. Sounds good. Thank you. Well, a huge thank you to Matt Minnick there. He's always welcome uh, on this podcast. And, of course, you can catch up with Matt 
on Cincy Jungle and the Chalk Talk podcast, which is uh, well worth a listen. And uh, and obviously Matt is um, well worth a follow on the old uh, Twitter. And I'll just give you his handle. It's at Coach Minnick, and Minnick is spelled M-I-N-I-C-H. So go give Matt a uh, follow. We've got lots of correspondence, lots of happy people. Uh, so let's get stuck into those. Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Baird 688. Happy with the win next week. Will be much tougher test, but confidence should be sky high. What is up with AJ Green? Has he lost his mojo? Is he still rusty? And I say that with massive respect as a massive fan of AJ. Do we still need him? Well, again, we spoke about it earlier, Stu, and I do think he deserves a bit more time. Um, he's uh, Again, as we said last week, he's, he's earned that time to get back to to some semblance of his old self. And if he doesn't, then the, the, the team have really got to make a decision. Can they find a role for him on going forward on this team for what he what he might be? You know, it's very it's very difficult. Um, dreams of witness at D witness seeing as the head coach's responsibility is to coach the coaches is Zach not having any coordinator experience harming the staff and therefore the team maybe a poorly timed question after a win but I do think it's an issue again that sort of follows on from last week's stuff really well again we'll see Jimmy um, I think we got we saw a glimpse of what Zach wanted, really wants to achieve on offence yesterday um, again, let's see where we are towards the end of the season. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think the coaching staff, like I said last week, are on the clock. Really, they they've got a, they've got a decent team to work with, and this year we've not so far so good in terms of the injuries. So, it's I think we've got to look at how they perform for the rest of the year and judge them on that. It's it, they are very much on. Um, I think the hot seat sounds a bit harsh, but they are. They've got the talent this year, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see what they can do um, going down the stretch. Um, Stephen Fox at Steve Schlaff. Alex Redmond was the missing piece on this offense, but in all seriousness, the O line really did step up and had a hell of a game. They've gotten a lot of flack, and rightfully so, but you have to give them praise where it's due. The Joes really shined thanks to them. Uh, Martin Greer, Martin Greer, 73. Feels great to have that Monday winning feeling. Joey Covers will make a mockery of Baltimore. Minus 14, who day? Stuart Davis at Dutch Bath. Solid handle. AJ Green looks like he doesn't want to be there still. Thoughts? Respect to Randy Bullock. Been absolutely solid as a rock since that week one incident. O-line were much improved, but the Jags are weak. Will we see the same old O-line against better opposition? Um, I mean, we've spoken about AJ. There's a lot of questions and comments about AJ, uh, but I think we've relayed what we think about uh, uh, 18. As for Randy, he's dead right. I mean, I think I think Paul Dana said, I don't know whether it was a joke or not, but he said that Randy became the Bengals' most accurate field goal kicker in history yesterday. I'm not quite sure whether that was true or not, but... Um, he's certainly been bang on the money ever since that uh, uh, the calves incident in, in week one. Yeah, you got you got to give credit to the geezer. I mean, we were, we were sort of being quite positive about him at the start of the season, just before that, and he has been 
quite reliable, dare I say it. I, I think it comes down with Randy when it, it, there's going to be a big kick in a big game. I think that's when you want to see him at his best. And I guess that goes with all kickers. But when the money's on the line and we're six and six or whatever, somewhere down the stretch, and we've got a chance at the playoffs and there's a couple of seconds left and the geezer's rolling up for a 42-yarder, that's when we've got to see what he's got in the locker. Yes, agreed. Uh, Josh at to real Josh Warner. Uh, I think it's rust or still isn't 100% from his injury in camp. Uh, talking about AJ, he was flying around in the summer. All the videos they showed kind of looked to me. He came up limp on right lower ankle on that missed throw. Yeah, I mentioned that. But I think the again, I, I've it, got, it's, I've it's, got, go on. Oh, sorry, man. I was going to say, I a few times I've seen AJ on the screen this year, I thought he's injured. I've looked, he just looks at like his grimacing a bit on his face. He just looks a little bit uncomfortable and he's coming up a bit gimpy when he's getting up. I don't, that's a good point um, about is he potentially still carrying something from camp? Obviously, he barely played in camp as they held him out with that. I think it was an ankle injury or something, was it? Or a calf injury. Um, it is worrying because he, he doesn't look. It doesn't look like he's just like completely gassed and he, he can't catch anything. It's more just he looks a bit uncomfortable, I would, is yeah. the best way I would describe it. I think it. also frustrated as well. I, I do think he looks frustrated. Um, but I would also say that, you know, it's the age-old thing. Don't judge videos in camp until you've seen players actually playing football during proper live games because uh, videos from training camp where they look fantastic and whatever... Uh, kind of mean nothing uh, until they're uh, actually playing at game speed against good players uh, and, you know, running their routes and, and kind of being physical and all the rest of it. It's it's a c- completely different uh, scenario. Um, anyway, Wee Man Syndrome at Or Cameron, who came on to yesterday's Tailgrade. Good to meet you, uh, Cameron, yesterday. Relieved to finally get a win behind us, the O-line. We're not perfect by any means, but definitely improved. Success in the running game opened up some more opportunities for play action. D made enough crucial stops to get it done, despite some key injuries. Positive steps. Um, Jamie at Trequart Beaster. Some credit to top bants Jim Turner, the line, and even incredibly, Bobby Hart for keeping Joe upright and other Joe and and the other Joe with plenty of holes. The caveat is that we were playing the Jags. Ravens next week is a much tougher task. If they pass that test, I might get off their case. The defense, however, was dreadful, and I can't think, uh, I can't help but think that Lamar Jackson is going to torture us. He's got a point. We've got to step it up. But if we do get Geno back, and I do wonder whether they dip into um, free agency to get a replacement for Mike Daniels, who's now been put on IR. That might happen. Um, but getting Gino back will be a huge thing, I think. Yeah, oh, 100%. Desperately need Gino back, and hopefully he's healthy and ready to contribute. I think the defence is holding on, isn't it? I, I think situationally the defence hasn't played well, and that's been the bigger issue. Is at the end of the half yesterday, the Jags had like, I think ridiculous, like 50 seconds left, no timeouts. And they got down to our two-yard line or something. Yeah, and you know what I mean? They could have easily got six seconds left. You look in hindsight, they lose the game by one score. You think if they'd gone for that then and picked up four points, that an extra four points, that game looks different. And 
you can't let that happen. Like you can't let go. I mean, you look at the talent on the Jags' offense as well. It's not that. I mean, that Chark's a good player. He's a quite quite yeah. Quick and Shenault, the today. rookie Shenault, the receiver, looks a good player as well. To be yeah, fair, yeah. And Minshew's yeah, not. Oh, Minshew's pretty good. He's not. I don't think he'll he's, ever he's not, set the world alight. But he's pretty good. You know. Yeah, he's a bit of a game manager, sort of bottom half quarterback. They're just. I don't know. I just think the defense is gonna. If you if you're playing like that at home against the Jags, like, exactly like Jamie said, there is a question there when you go up against Lamar Jackson and all of these weapons that that's going to be a bit of a bloodbath. But there's still a lot of young guys, and I, there's a lot of guys that are inexperienced and learning. Akeem Davis, Gaither, obviously Logan Wilson was out yesterday as well, which is a shame, and they're carrying a couple of knocks back there. But I think you get Geno back. Hopefully Logan Wilson's back next week as well. They're learning. That's the most important thing. Um, but yeah, you cut. You still. I mean, I mean, I know Zach Taylor yesterday got rather generously gave one of the game balls to the entire defense. Yeah. But you can't. And sh- I think if you want to be a good team, you don't really want to be shipping twenty five at home to the Jags. True, but as I say, all over the league, you look at what's happening, and defenses are pretty average at the moment. Uh, anyway, yeah, Peter Dadswell at Dadders loved how Zach Taylor awarded the match ball to, amongst others, Joe Mixon. Then at the end, Joe Mixon awarded his match ball to Coach Taylor. Team spirit right there. Loved Joe Burrow saying his match ball will go back in the bag as he's very particular about the balls he throws. He goes on to say, without Gino and Daniels, you have to admit that holding them under 90 yards rushing was a good effort. Obviously playing from behind in the second half, uh, they had to throw it more. I mean, that's that's the flip side. They did hold uh, Robinson to under 100 yards rushing, uh, which was a positive, definitely. Uh, Andrew Dockerell at Dockers 77. Never really doubted that win. Worried by the lack of pass rush. Just really lacking a premium athlete with bend on the edge. Very reliant on the bull rush. The entire offseason has been built around stopping the Ravens' run game. So interested to see... How that goes. Um, indeed. Who else have we got? Odat at DZE. Yesterday's game gave us a small glimpse into what could be. Joe Burrow is a geezer of phenomenal talent and our progress as a team and franchise is delicately poised. One win doesn't define what we are, but it gro- it shows great promise if the coaches and front office get things Right, Duncan Yeadon at Slam Dunk the Funk says a win builds solid handle, builds confidence and momentum. Uh, Killian at Malloy underscore double zero, huge win, albeit the Jags look pretty bad. We still got the win. If we didn't win that, a lot of people might have started to panic. Uh, very true. Who else? And that's about it, I think, for now. Um, so yeah, I mean. Um, Duncan also asked us to uh, discuss John Ross, but I don't know. He's he's going to have to do well to force his way back in the team at the moment. I think I think poor old John is done at the moment, unless something. I'd I'd love to see him get some time over Alex Erickson. I I've been a big critic of John Ross because I think there's a lot of unfulfilled potential there. But I would like him to get. He just offers you so much more than Alex Erickson does. Erickson's a safe pair of hands on returns and decent in the slot but we just miss it. even if you're throwing Ross out there as a decoy I just think that would be a slightly more it gives you a little bit more I don't know if that is that Taylor's trying to send a message to John Ross I mean he's not got much time because I mean, at the end of this season Ross is off hmm. um, by all accounts so 
I don't know. It's a shame because it, a fully healthy, fully um, producing John Ross could be in, could take this wide receiver core to another level with his speed and ability to uh, take the top off of defenses. So it's it's just a real shame, really. There's not much else to say. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't yeah. know. Something, you know, something's going on with John or. The coaches just aren't seeing enough from him, or the commitment's not there. I, I, I don't have personal issues. You don't know, do you? But it feels like a real sad state of play when you've got a top ten wide receiver um, from a few drafts ago that can't even crack the game day lineup. It's, it's rather strange. Yeah, it, I think I think you said it. Out, you know, out of everything, it is a great shame because he's a great guy. Is John? Uh, he's a lovely man. He comes across as. And he's obviously got the speed and the talent. We've seen him do it in, in flashes. Just can't do it consistently. And uh, I think maybe the coaches, let's face it, and John wasn't their pick, you know, back in back in the day. He was Marvin's pick, although if you read the reports, he wasn't necessarily Marvin's pick either. But, um, you know, um, I think I think he's done. Uh, it'd be great to see him uh, in a few cameos, maybe, towards the end of the season or whatever. Because uh, I do think you're right. I mean, he still has stuff to offer. Um, but I it'd think be a, it'd be a fascinating pickup for someone in free agency. It'd be a fascinating pickup if you got the right coach potentially or the right scheme for him, or you could work him into your offense in the right situations and just got he got his head right or whatever you need to get right right. He could be a really good. He won't be able to command a huge fee in free agency, I wouldn't have thought, but he'll represent an extremely high upside buy for a team this off-season. Absolutely agree with you. So there we go. There you, everyone's bubbling and happy and, and sending <laughs> messages and uh, Nathan's naked at the other end of the Skype line. I can just feel it. And uh, everyone's very happy. I wish happy. I was, mate. I'm on my, I'm on my lunch break at work. <laughs> same here. Same my enthusiasm. Here. Um well, uh, you can carry on the good vibes this week by uh, getting in touch with us and telling us what you think and saying hello uh, to us on Twitter at uh, Hooday underscore UK, on Facebook at Bengals UK, on YouTube at Bengals UK. We're everywhere at the moment. Uh, so thank you very much for your correspondence and thank you in advance for your future correspondence. Um, thank you very much also to Matt Minnick. Always a pleasure to talk to Matt. And uh, again, he for me, he's the best kind of, and I use this uh, as, a, as a compliment, an amateur analyst, an armchair analyst. He really does know what he's talking about. He's coached football before. So go and follow Matt on Twitter and listen to Chalk Talk. It's really great. Um, so uh, until next week, uh, you know, we are playing the Ravens. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? Let's hope they... Uh, step it up and really kind of throw themselves in there and be competitive and give the Ravens a game because I think we're capable of doing it uh, but it'll be interesting to see so until next week it is a who day from me and a who day from me cheers guys and it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation <laughs>